0: Hey, so welcome. This is resurrect- This resurrected Jesus promised to return soon. Now, when, when my wife and I watch TV, we like the words because we're that old. So you're going to have some words up here. Now, here's a lot of things I don't know. I'm 68. That means I'm officially an old geezer. I was supposed to give a shout-out to somebody who's having her 63rd birthday here this morning. I already forgot your name. Where is... <laughs> my best friend. So... Uh, but over here. Oh, the shy one. Okay. Happy birthday. <laughs> Sorry. This, I got a sermon I'm thinking of. Just uh, Anyway, here's some things I don't know. I don't know how my two kids came out of the same birth canal. They're different as night and day. They're the same gene pool. And just, I don't know. They're different. Uh, I don't know why cinnamon, I can't eat cinnamon donuts and lose weight. I would think a God of love could hook that up. You know, here, eat cinnamon, you'll shrink. Eat cinnamon donuts, you'll really shrink. Uh, I don't know why that doesn't happen. I don't know why I wake up some mornings really stoked, and others, I'm in a foul mood already. Oh, sorry if I hurt you, that's uh, really, really. uh, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. Okay, we got a little deeper there. I don't know how many more days, weeks, months, or years I'd have to live. Neither do you. I don't know the motives of my heart, let alone the motives of your heart. Okay, I, I I, don't know why I do some of the things I do. And if you just sat up in your chair thinking we're going to get a juicy confession, no. If you want to give one, that's fine. But we don't have enough time. But I don't know why I do some of the things I do. I, uh, I don't know why God allows certain things to happen in my life. And maybe you're there right now. There are some things I do know. I I know that uh, I've been created in the image of God. That means uh, my body doesn't have a soul, but my soul has a body. My soul's going to live forever in one of two places, heaven or hell. My body ain't going to make it. I'm going to have a new glorified body. Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be jealous. Uh, Trust me. Um, I know I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. I have people remind me that every day. Uh, I know I'm loved by God. He proved it on the cross. Now, what I mean by that is when I look at the cross, in reality, I should never doubt God's love again, ever. I mean, I might have feelings up and down, but I should never doubt his love. Look at the cross. It's a wonderful way to go through life. Watch this. I know I'm forgiven. Yeah, I didn't always know that growing up in a certain church. It was kind of day by day, hour by hour, Right now, I know past, present, future, I'm forgiven. I I confess I had this up-to-date relationship with him. It's the only way to go through life. Forgiven, cleansed, set free. I know I'm restored. If you think I'm a mess now, you should have seen me. It was really a mess back then. I, I know I'm heaven bound. So no matter what craziness happens here on Earth, I know where I end up for all of eternity. Not only that, every Christian, every true Christian has eternal life, but not every Christian has abundant life right here and now. I've got that. I've got that in Jesus Christ. Uh, Here's something I know. Jesus will return to the earth because the God who cannot lie makes promises he cannot break. And Jesus promised to come back. That's what this sermon is about. Uh, I know that everyone, when Jesus comes back, everyone here will go one-on-one with God and give an account for your life. So that brings one more thing I'm not sure about. I'm not sure you're ready for that. But hopefully after this morning, you will be. Now, we're talking about Jesus. Now, this is what I think of Jesus on Resurrection Day. When a man predicts how he's going to die and, and then when he's going to die and the fact that he would rise again in three days after he dies, and he does it? Well, I think we're supposed to listen to him. But there's one more thing. He promised, he predicted, he would return to this earth soon. I told my, I had a fellow pastor text me this morning, give him heaven. That's my line to him last year, but uh, (laughs) I wrote back, I hope this is our last Easter on earth. How cool would that be that Jesus comes back this year? Okay, we're going to read, if you have your Bible, it's in Luke chapter 21, just reading four verses. Uh, The scenario here, some guys had asked him, hey, so what are we supposed to look for when you're going to return? Because the apostles were convinced he's coming back. So what are we supposed to look for? And then he gives a bunch of you know wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, all that stuff. But then in verse 25, Luke 21, Jesus says, and and there'll be signs in the sun, in the moon. Those haven't happened yet, okay? This is still future tense. In the stars. And on earth, distress of nation. That's happening already. Okay, this thing, these are starting to... But he says, with perplexity. This is an incredible word. It means there'll be confusion with no way out. There'll be uh, no solutions. People will be dumbfounded. It's as if nations printed up trillions of dollars without any gold to back it up, and all of a sudden the world collapses. It's right here, great perplexity, no way out. How am I gonna pay for my gas? How am I gonna pay for my rent? How am I gonna pay for my food? There's no way out, except for one, it'll come up soon. Says, great perplexity, the sea, the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, from the expectation of things which are coming upon the earth. Uh, This isn't happening yet, but I see COVID-19 has given us a, uh, what do you call it when you get drunk and you wake up the next day? (laughs) Hang. how did you know that? (laughs) We need to talk. (laughs) COVID-19 has given us a hangover, it's called fear. It's sad to see how many Christians are full of fear. Fear of, hey, wait, wait, wait. The good shepherd, Jesus, he's still taking care of us. But it's going to get worse. Men will actually have heart attacks when they see what's going to come upon the earth, we believe, very soon. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That has not happened yet. Then they will see the Son of Man, that's Jesus, coming in a cloud with this with power. And it says, great glory. It's going to be spectacular when he comes back. Great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, folks, they have. Jesus said, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Father, make this real to us by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, any chosen fans here? Oh, okay. Okay. My wife and I are kind of latecomers on this thing. We're still in season one. I know that's bad news for some of you. But when we go through, she, has, she struggles with this Jesus. He comes on, she goes, that's not Jesus. It's not what he looks like. And I go, woman, how do you know what Jesus looks like? You got the white man version, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes. He's from the Middle East. He's got the olive skin, the dark. You know, dark eyes and probably a healthy snozzola like they do in that. You've been there three times. You know what they look like. How do you know this is not what? So we go through this all the time. Just get by. He looks like the Jeep. Yeah, yeah, that's what he looks like. Anyway, I love in in season one, they come up to all these people. (gasps) We found the Messiah. We found the promised one. And they're so excited. But what they're saying is, you know, all those promises of thousands of years ago of hundreds of years ago they're all of a sudden coming true and i love the response because their eyes are going. what are you sure because you're thinking look man i'm about to get married look i'm about to have a baby we're going to move this is an inconvenient time for the messiah to show up and so they're going wait wait can these things be but i love how it happens these are two thousand years ago if, if you lived it now we go through this every christmas Sorry for the broken sentences. We go through every Christmas. We go, you know, if I was alive 2,000 years ago, I would have believed in the Messiah. I would have seen the prophecies come true. I'd, I'd be a believer. Well, you get a chance now. There's a lot of prophecies coming true right now about his return. But here's the deal. About those prophecies, God was silent for 400 years. This, we haven't been a nation for even 300 years, let alone 400. So from the end of the Old Testament, the end of Malachi, the book, to the beginning of the New Testament, where John the Baptist cries out, hey, make way the path of the Lord. There was 400 years. And after a while, you go, I don't know if God was really saying it. I want to do this sort of nursery rhyme and something we learned in Sunday school. But I'm not sure he's really coming. And then these guys say, hey, we sound... He's here. So let's look at some broad strokes of the, those prophecies the first time he came. And then broad strokes of the second ones that are coming true now. So born in Bethlehem, why is that such a big deal? You'd think he'd be born in the, the New York City of Jerusalem of, of Israel. That would be Jerusalem. But no, no, no. He's born a little south, a little town, village, really, of Bethlehem. Now, it's interesting. Remember, these promises were written hundreds of years before. They were recorded. So the three magi, they go to King Herod. Now, if you're thinking of the Hallmark Christmas card with three kings on three camels, kings don't travel alone. All right? So when they showed up in Jerusalem, it says in the Bible, the entire city of Jerusalem was troubled. So were these? They're troubled. Why? Because of the entourage kings arrive with a small army, with servants and gifts and all that, and they come right into town. People are going, who are they? And are they here to make war with us? Are they here to take over? Who are these guys? They have such notoriety, they go up to the king and say, we need an audience with you, and they get it. Hey, King Herod, where's this Messiah going to be born? Herod doesn't know. He calls the Jewish, hey, where's this guy going to be born? What did they say? Bethlehem. Everybody knows it. It's been written for hundreds of years. It wasn't just, oh, I thought it was Jerusalem. We'll cross out Jerusalem and write Bethlehem. No, it was already known. Bethlehem. Everybody knows that. Now it goes further. Where would he move to from Bethlehem? He wouldn't go north to Lebanon. He wouldn't go east to Saudi Arabia or Jordan. He'd go south to Egypt. Because it's out of Egypt, I'll call my son. So there's two prophecies. How about this one? That he was sold for 30 pieces of silver. This is seven prophecies in one. I hope I get them right. Betrayed by a friend. There's two right now. For 30 pieces. So it wasn't for 29 pieces. It wasn't for 31. If it was, he's not the Messiah. Betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. There's four. Which he would take. We know this would be Judas and throw it on the floor. So if he left it in a leather pouch and handed it back, Jesus is not the Messiah. It had to be thrown on the floor of a specific building, the temple, there's six. And then it would be collected up and and bought. a a potter's field would be bought with it. That's seven prophecies, that's just one part. All these things, not a bone broken. What's so special about that? Because on the cross, when they would crucify a person they would break the legs to speed up the death kind of a mercy but kind of a severe mercy but they go to jesus to break his legs he's already dead they go, not oh, well, break his leg we'll just pierce him there's another prophecy but the guys on either side they had their legs broken but not jesus because it was prophetic his hands and feet pierced side pierced how about this they cast lots for his clothing and so and they're rolling dice. I want this part, I want that part. And, and here's another one, He was buried in a rich man's tomb. So he wasn't buried in the potter's field that they just bought with the 30 piece of silver. He's buried in a rich man's tomb. These are just a, a few, these are broad strokes prophecies and you'd go, if I was alive 2000, I would have I believed, I would have saw all those prophecies being fulfilled and I'd believe, okay, how about this? Jesus had already prophesied all this. So before the crucifixion, in Matthew chapter 16, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. They're going, I'm not receiving that because we're going to make you king. We're going to get rid of this Roman stuff. We're going to set up a new kingdom. This is going to be awesome. And Jesus, no, 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 I'm going to be killed they didn't hear that part. No, 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 that doesn't fit with my agenda for you, Jesus. But I will raise on the third day. So he was predicting and prophesying he would rise from the dead. In Acts chapter 1, now this is after the Gospels. Jesus has already risen from the dead. The book of Acts talks about what happens as this new church is birthed. And it said, uh, Jesus presented himself alive, not dead, with, uh, after his sufferings with many infallible proofs. He would say, give me a piece of fish. I have a resurrected body. I can consume this fish. It was many proofs. Now, I I don't know, but I'm fascinated with card tricks. Card tricks. We even saw Shin Lim. You know the Chinese guy that won the uh, America's Got Talent? We saw him. He does all these. I'm sitting there, how did he do that? I think, yeah, he did something. Smoke and mirrors. He's really, really good. Jesus didn't do that. It wasn't smoke and mirrors, it wasn't card tricks, it was reality. He did many ways to prove he's resurrected. Matter of fact, he was being seen by them during 40 days. It's not like a flash went, what was that? I think that was a resurrected Christ. No, he hung with them for 40 days. He came in and came out and just and just, they knew they were very comfortable with a resurrected Jesus Christ. Now, the resurrection was not a hoax meaning you find that 12 apostles well minus Judas Iscariot uh, Jesus just died I didn't see that coming I'm broke (laughs) I left everything to follow Jesus we got to come up with plan B and make some money well let's start a new religion yeah but it's got to have a twist Um, he rose from the dead we'll just say he rose from the dead and even if they threaten to kill us we're not going to We're not gonna uh, buckle in, we're we're going to say, he rose from the dead and our whole new religion is gonna be based on that. This is why that would be called a hoax. It's not a hoax because six apostles were crucified like Christ, six of them. Two apostles were killed by the sword. One was killed by arrows, one was killed by spears. That would be the doubting Thomas in Tamil Nadu, India. It's called, to this day, it's called Mount St. Thomas, where he was killed, planting his seventh Christian church over there. Doubting Thomas did us a favor because when they everybody else said, we saw the resurrection. I don't believe you clowns. Until I can put my hand in his side, I put't put my fingers in the, the nail. Pr- I don't believe you. So Jesus shows up. <laughs> oh, Thomas, come here. 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 My Lord and my God. Thomas said, and Jesus said, you've seen and believed. Blessed are those under intent in Haleiwa who don't see and yet believe. Thomas went on not only believing, but becoming a a martyr there in India as he's planting another church. One apostle was stoned to death, one they tried to boil in oil. That doesn't sound pleasant, but it wouldn't affect him at all. So they said, let's throw him on the island of Patmos, that God-forsaken island. And while he was there, he wrote the book of Revelation. But it wasn't a hoax. See, even when facing death, they didn't cave in. They They didn't deny the fact, I saw Jesus raised from the dead. So why is that so important? I mean, what's the big deal about Easter? I heard that 2,000 years ago, some guy rose from the dead. Why is that so important? Number one, it proves that there's life after death. I have a friend in California who tried to commit suicide. He overdosed, laid down on the garage floor. His daughter comes in, he goes, "Get o- go out, just close the door and leave me alone. She wisely went out and called 911 and saved his life. So my wife and I go over there a while later, I go, hey, uh, why would you do that? Why would you commit suicide? Don't you know? What's on the other side? You're, no, there's nothing. You just kind of vanish. Well, that would be nice. But you know what? Jesus rose from the dead. It proves you and I are going to rise from the dead too. There's life after death. The resurrection of Christ says he rose from the dead, and you and I will too. Now, in Romans, this is how important the, the resurrection is. It says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, meaning I know Jesus died on the cross for me. If I confess with my mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. My salvation depends on believing in the resurrection. So again, this Jesus, when a man predicts how he will die, when he will die, that he's going to rise again in three, three days, and does it? We're supposed to listen to him. Again, there's more. He said, I'm coming Back, We already thought, oh, if I was there 2,000 years ago, of course I'd see the prophecies coming true. Of course I'd be a believer. You get a chance now. In our very lifetime, the prophecies are coming true, and we can believe. So we just did the Old Testament prophecies for his first appearance. How about the new one? How about the second appearance? How about, we'll just do some broad strokes, okay? Broad stroke. We're going to talk about Israel, the church, the world, stuff like that. So at the ascension, now this is stranger than fiction, okay? Jesus was talking to his buddies, giving them instructions, and he rises up to heaven. And (laughs) the apostles are going, how did he, Shin Lim could not do that. How did he do that, you know? And, And so this angel appears and says, look, this same Jesus, not another one, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven well, some so come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. Now, how about this? What, was the, what is the condition of Israel and what took 1900 years to get to this place? In Isaiah 66, verse eight, it prophesied Israel would again become a nation in one day. Very specific prophecy. For centuries, Christians believed It must not be literally true, because that's impossible. By that point, Jews were everywhere throughout the world, and Israel was not theirs. May 14th, 1948, David John Gurion, who was the head of Israel, said, we are a nation, one day. Then President Truman of the United States, the same day, yes, you are an Israel, was a nation in one day. Keep your eyes on focus on Israel. That is the key to end times. God is not done with Israel yet. So it had to become a nation in one day. That's been fulfilled. How about this one? The condition of the world. We already said there'll be great perplexity with no way out. Things like printing of trillions of dollars with no gold to back it up. Things like just going haywire, crazy stuff going on to where evidently the world goes broke. There's no, there's nothing. And then this man of peace shows up. It, it, it prepares the way for the Antichrist, because the world is looking, how do we get out of this? We're in a jam. Nobody has solutions. One guy shows up, you go, I have, I've got some solutions." And they start listening to him, "Hey, this guy's got a lot of wisdom. Hey, let's go with him." And at first he appears to be a man of peace. He actually brings peace. To the Middle East he has Jerusalem, he has Israel sign a peace treaty with the Arabs it's a seven-year peace treaty that turns into a seven-year great tribulation but the world goes for it at first the, this, this Antichrist he, he, it, the world is being set up for him to take over the, the stage now it stopped sorry my thing stopped here okay uh, do you believe that Jesus is about? Uh, There we go, the condition of churches. A lot of people think that the church is gonna go out with a bang, a great big strong thing, not according to Jesus and not according to the Bible. So it says in 1 Timothy, now the Spirit expressly says, meaning the Spirit emphasizes this. The Spirit is is saying you can bank on this, that in the latter days, that's I believe we are today, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons, having their own conscience seared with an iron. So they're going to be in our churches, in our pulpits, promoting doctrines of demons. What does that mean? Things that were once considered sin. Oh, no, now God understands it's no longer sin. That's a doctrine of a demon. And it's deceiving. And it's going through our churches today. And it says they're kind of like they have their conscience seared. Instead of, you know, if you're a a, a rancher and you have your circle K, whatever, and you do it to the cattle, once you brand a cattle, they're not unbranded. It's permanent. And he's saying, these guys are gonna be in our church pulpits promoting stuff that was, I I think that's sin, no, no, it's okay now. And they had their conscience seared like that, like branded, they are convinced they're right. Even though they're teaching one is completely against the Bible. So that's what's going to happen in the the end times. Once someone's been branded, it doesn't get undone. Now Jesus said this after a parable about prayer. When the Son of Man returns, will he really find faith on the earth? Meaning, not really. So here we go. Here's the condition of hearts. I don't like this. We're going to get to hope really soon, okay? The condition of hearts. But know this. Paul the Apostle writes. In the last days, perilous <coughs> times will come. Okay, It's not going to get better. For men will be lovers of themselves. I looked it up in the Greek. It means they will be taking selfies. Yeah, just uh, some of you were really slow. <laughs> it wasn't that good a joke anyway. So but, uh, you know, here I am eating a taco. OK. <laughs> you got guaco on your cheek, you know. But uh, yeah, lovers of themselves. Now. St- I'm going to ask, do you want to be around these people? Lovers of money, so, man, I don't care about you. I just want my promotion. Then the four uns, unthankful. You parents with kids, when you sacrifice for your keiki and they're not thankful, don't you want to just give up, you know? And then you go through the routine, when I was your age, I walked barefoot through the snow. Unthankful, how about unholy? Nothing is sacred. Nothing is sacred anymore. Unloving, unforgiving. So a bunch of bitter people who refuse to to say that's okay when someone apologizes. Can I tell you? I don't want to be around these people. I like being around forgiving people. I like being around thankful people, holy people, loving people. They're, They're saying the condition of hearts in the end, it's going to be the opposite. So, second to me, he goes, oh, this one's the worst. He goes on to say, it'll be without natural affection. So what's more natural affection than a mom and a, do- and a baby? Do you know that today there are two states, Maryland and California, that are entertaining bills, they are not law yet. Uh, talk, uh, submit to um, Tony, um, who am I thinking, of? Tony Perkins. He'll give you the news on this one. Killing a baby, 28 days old. These bills are are entertaining the idea that a mom will have up to 28 days to determine if she'll keep the baby or allow it to be killed. This is without natural affection. See, most people I know wouldn't kill a 28-day-old puppy, let alone a person. In the last days, people will be without natural affection. That's describing this. how about the condition of hearts? Jesus said this. Again, in the end time scenario, he goes, you know what? Because sin will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I always thought that was from you know those out there, those big sinners out there. But lately I've been convicted, no, it's me. Because sin abounds. And they're unthankful and unholy and ungrateful and unforgiving. and not, you know, I don't want to be around them. I have to watch my heart because those are the people we're trying to reach. We're trying to extend a bridge of love and forgiveness to these people. But man, it's getting hard because Jesus said, because sin abounds, love's going to grow cold. It's going to be a challenge to love people in these end times. One thing that Jesus emphasized the most about end times, don't be deceived. Now here's a scripture that shows you why. Second Thessalonians chapter two, the coming of the lawless one, that's that's the Antichrist. Coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. He's gonna be backed by Satan himself. That's why he's so deceptive, so powerful. So he's coming uh, with the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders, meaning there's gonna be miracles. They're gonna be lying miracles. They're gonna be setting you up for deception. So here's what happens. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish, meaning go to hell, now the emphasis is mine, all these capitals, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. It doesn't say they didn't understand. It says they didn't receive. It's super clear. What the the truth is. So in order to be saved, according to this verse, in order to be forgiven, I need to agree with God. I was created in in, in the image of God. I have sinned. God has provided one way of forgiveness. His son, Jesus Christ, I can ask him into my heart. I can be born again. I can be saved. But if I reject that, according to this verse, I could be handed over to strong delusion simply by not loving God the truth of God. Let's talk about hope. Okay, we're almost done. In chapter 14 of the Gospel of John, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Let me paint the picture. They just had the Last Supper. They just had communion. The disciples are still arguing who's the greatest. And Jesus knows, we're on our way to the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna be betrayed, I'm gonna be crucified. And his heart goes out to his friends. Hey, guys, you have no clue what's about to happen. Don't let your hearts be troubled. How many need to hear that this morning? You have no clue what the rest of this year holds. You have no idea what you'll be facing, but don't let your heart be troubled. So he goes on. You believe in God? Believe also in me. What a claim. I mean, if you were walking, would you go, wait a minute, you want equal belief? Then God the Father, yeah, he is. God the Son. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are are many dwelling places, many mansions. I go there to prepare one for you. And if it wasn't so, I would tell you. But if I go there to prepare one for you, I'm going to come back to you to receive you to myself. This is a reference to what we call the rapture. I'm going to receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. So here's the doubting Thomas doing us a favor again, looking around going, am I the only guy here who has no clue what he's talking about? So the doubting Thomas, Jesus, I have no idea where you're going and I have no idea how you're going to get there. Thomas, I am the way. So he says, follow me. I am the way. I am the truth. Truth is not a suggestion. Truth is not personalized, like you have your truth, I have my truth. Truth is like gravity. It affects us all the same way. How silly. No, I have my gravity, you have gravity. No, no, it affects us all the same. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one goes to the Father but by me. That's how you get to heaven. Jesus said, Follow me. So, what happens when I believe this? If I say, Okay, I believe you are the way, I believe I'm a sinner, I need forgiveness, I'm going to surrender my life to you. In Isaiah, it prophesies of the ministry of Jesus. I shared this recently in church, but I didn't share the end, okay? So in Isaiah, he says, this is what we call the exchange at the cross, concerning Jesus, now this is still from Old Testament. Jesus is gonna give them beauty for ashes. We just sang about this, right? Beauty for, oh wait, wait, I give him my ashes, he gives me beauty, and I, the oil of joy for mourning, so I give him my tears, he gives me joy. This sounds great, this sounds too good to be true. And the garment of praise, I have the spirit of heaviness, where I don't like the condition of the world, I don't like what's going on here. I don't like this, and, and he goes, "I'll, I'll give you joy. I'll give you praise. I'll put a song in your heart. I'm in. How how do I do this? So, I have a friend, who's a woodworker. I I'm. I like wood. This girl really knows her stuff. She came over to my house one day. She's giving me some wood. And she goes, uh, I literally pulled this piece out of the fire. It's completely black. It's, she goes, I don't know, maybe you can do something with it. I'm thinking, you're crazy, you know, just. So I put it off to the side. And I'm, I'm stoked on all the other wood, but I kept looking at it, man, what is that? Maybe it's something beautiful in that. And I have this toy. Uh, that, that sands as you, with a conveyor belt, and I go, oh, well, let's just see, Wait a you know, maybe it does something. So, you know, three times through, nothing. Nothing, it's just more, of, now it's soot and ashes and it's everywhere. All right, man. A Couple more times, I, I start to see some wood under there. What? I, so I kept going and going, and it, once you got rid of the ashes, It's this beautiful piece of walnut, $11 a foot. It's expensive. I go, I'm using that. And I made something beautiful out of that wood. So here's how it applies to us. We give God our ashes. We give him our wood, what we've done with it, what we've allowed to happen. We give him our tears, the heaviness, spirit of heaviness. And he makes something beautiful. Matter of fact, in in Ecclesiastes, it says he's, made everything beautiful, but it's in his time. So Proverbs says, this is how it's connected to you and me. In chapter 23, Proverbs is a lot about a dad pouring his life into his kid and, and saying, kid, I love you. I want God's best for you. I, I, uh, I uh, well, It says, give me your heart. This is the problem. Son, give me your heart. Here's, so, here's your dad talking to his kid. You can trust me. I want to set your table for success I want you to outdo me. And so he goes, son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. So what it means is uh, I love you. I want God's best for you. I want you to make it. You can trust me. You can't trust most people out there. You can tr- I got your back, but here's how it works with God. God says to you this morning, my son, my daughter, give me your burned wood. Give me your heart. Watch what I can do with it. But we have a call. We hesitate. Some of you this morning are hesitating, I bet he wants me to do something. I bet he wants me to give God my piece of wood. We hesitate. And here's here's our reasoning. God, I'm not sure if I can trust you with my heart. I'm not sure, have you heard yourself say, I'm not sure you know how to make me happy. I'm not sure you know how to make me complete. I'm not sure if you know how to lead me into the best life I could have. I'm not sure if I can trust you. Now this is my view of it. This is not biblical at this point. I just think at this point some angels chime in. Because I'm thinking we're blowing the minds of the angels all the time. Not just Danny and Jamie Angel on Sephora, but just. I think the angels are up there, what gives with Mike Stangle? Why doesn't he pray more? I don't get it. Why does he trust God more? Why does he step out in faith? Why does he enter the abundant life? And they're thinking, what's going on with these people? And so the angel chimes in, excuse me, Mike, you're reluctant to give God your heart, so what exactly have you done with your heart? uh, I've exposed it to strange fire. I've allowed it to get burned. I have lied to my heart many times because I'm the easiest person to deceive myself. I have allowed my heart to get in a foul condition by what I've done to it and by what others have done to it. And then the angels go, and so you can't trust God? Look what you've done with your heart. I think you can trust God. Give him your wood. Give him your heart. So why is the resurrection so important? Now we have two reasons. It proves there's life after death. It proves Jesus can be trusted. He can be trusted to do what he said he'll do. He said, I'm going to raise in three days. He did it. He said, I will give you abundant life. I will give you forgiveness. I will give you blessings. He is able to do it. So here's the gospel. Number one, you were created in the image of God. I don't even know what all that means. It sounds wonderful. I know I have the ability to love and reason and make choices. I know I have a soul that's gonna live forever. Right now, very temporarily, it has a body, but it's about to get an eternal body. I I know uh, because God created me, I have a purpose. I have a destiny. You know, you have a purpose. The, the thing about knowing your purpose, you'll never know your purpose until you follow him. You know, we, we like to say, well, God, give me like five options. I'll choose what I want. No, no, no. All Jesus said, follow me. That's how you know your purpose. That's when you're set free, when you simply follow him. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory but he offers forgiveness. I'm not here to parade anybody's sin or shame you or just uh, try and corner you. I'll just be, I'm I'm a sinner. I need his forgiveness. And then the best verse, I have a friend in India who is smart, really smart, but really poor. And... uh, Heard that some white man's coming to India. And he thought, somebody comes this far from America. He's got something to say. It was Billy Graham. I believe it was Billy Graham. And he shared, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And it blew this guy's mind. And at that point, Sam gave his life to the Lord. And he's the one that first brought me and Karen to India. God so loved the world that he gave. I have one son. I'm not giving them to anybody. I'm not gonna let him be, are you kidding, beaten up, whipped and all that, and then crucified? I don't love you that much. God does. So the exchange at the cross is the same thing he offers you today to give him your wood and let him make something beautiful out of it. We've come to the conclusion And for some of you, you're you're ready. Some are thinking, you know, what am I supposed to do with all this? We'd love to have the band come on up at this time. And you're going, what am I supposed to do? I would make that exchange at the cross. Some of you need to do it again. It's been a while. You've done your share of drifting. And you're going, look, (laughs) I tried to make the world work. Well, so did Peter. Remember, I'm going back fishing. Fished all night was empty. And then Jesus was on the beach and he went, man, you'll have me back, I'm in. So some are, you you need to come back. I mean, it's God's like, blowing his trumpet, come back. And others, you need to surrender for the first time. Uh, If I could be so, well, I would love you to just come on up here publicly and say, I don't care who's watching, God's watching. And I want to give him my life right now. Uh, They're going to sing. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for fulfilling all those prophecies and pinpointing Jesus in a way we couldn't miss him. We thank you for your love, your power of forgiveness, healing, restoration. And right now, we pray you touch hearts, you touch lives, you extend forgiveness, healing once more. In Jesus' name.